Lord, we lift you above everything. We raise you up over our circumstances. We raise you up over everything that's happening in this world right now. And we say you are supreme. You are over it. You're above it. You're in charge. And you're a God who's restoring this world. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. Okay. Just before I start, um, just a quick reminder, there's not going to be a meeting in the Schofield Center next week. So don't turn up to the Schofield Center expecting things to be as normal because that won't be happening. We're going to be meeting in three different locations around Loughborough and Shepshed. Uh, those locations will be the McGoffs, the Callans, and the Moses in Shepshed. Now all the details are on a sheet there, or rather there's a sign-up sheet there. If you're, if you're in a life group, hopefully you've already been told or invited <clears throat> by your life group leader <coughs> to go to the right place. Um, if you haven't, then uh, we'll have to sort something out, maybe send something out during the, uh, the course of the week. But if you're not in a life group, there are some sign-up sheets at the back there that you can sign up and uh, go to the, uh, the venue that most suits you. Okay, so no meeting in the SCOF next week. I'd have been in trouble if I hadn't announced that and then half the people had turned up again. But we've been announcing it for the last few weeks, so hopefully everybody's got the gist. Okay, how many people can remember about four or five weeks ago, I think it was, I spoke on something called living from the eternal community. Well, one person can, that's good. It's my wife, you know, so... <laughs> Thanks. If my mum was here, I'm sure it'd be, she'd put her hand up as well. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard enough to remember what was last week, never mind four or five weeks ago. But I'm, I'm doing kind of a part two this morning, and I've called it Mission of the Eternal Community. So what springs to mind when you hear the word mission? Is it um, some kind of James Bond character on a mission? Maybe it's two guys in black suits on a mission from God. Is it Christians fighting through the jungle overseas, you know, trying to reach people with the gospel? Or is it maybe you hear the word mission and you suddenly come a, f a feeling of, of pressure to evangelize? But I'd like to say to you today that mission is a lot wider and deeper and greater than any of those things. Mission is deep in your nature. It's part of who you are. And that's what I want to talk about today. Okay, let's start uh, with a scripture. There we go. So Luke chapter 10, verses 21 to 22. You can follow it on the screen or you can follow it in a Bible. If you haven't got a Bible with you and you want one, there are some around somewhere. Are they at the back? In boxes over there. So if you want to grab a Bible, please do. But most of what I'm saying will be on the screen. So verses 21 to 22 of Luke chapter 10. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. 
and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So this mission Jesus came on was a revelation mission. It was about revealing the Father. Let's have a, a second one. John chapter 20. John 20 verses, again, verses 21 to 22. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So mission is about revealing, and it's a transmission mission. It's a mission that gets transmitted from Jesus to us. And I've highlighted a few words in there about sending, but I've also highlighted in both of those scriptures, I don't know if you noticed, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all mentioned in those verses all three members of the Trinity. So last week, not last week, last time, I spoke about living from the eternal community. And what I, was, what I was saying, oh, by the way, if you didn't hear it, I would recommend listening to the podcast because this is a, a continuation. Um, in fact, even if you did hear it, it's sometimes good to listen to the podcast again after a Sunday because you get more out of it. You'll kind of be refreshed in what you heard. You know, if you've just got it on in the background even, or in your iPod when you're going for a walk or in the car, I'd just recommend getting the podcast and listening. But I spoke about how God is a relational God. He is eternally relational. He lives, he exists in relationship. He lives in community. I showed that famous picture of the three people around a table representing the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I spoke about how God is not hierarchical. There isn't this command structure in the Godhead. He's not imposing authority. He's living in this harmonious relationship. It's like a glorious circle, and there's a, a symbol of it. It's like a, a great dance where the three persons of the Trinity are moving in and out of one another. They're sharing life with one another. They're enjoying one another, each one preferring the other. It's a self-giving, others-focused community. And I spoke about how we flesh that out as the church in our life together, in our attitude, in our, the way we live, that we are to live from that community. Okay, so today it's more about mission, but that's the backdrop. And there is a a concept people have, uh, there's been a whole resurgence in thinking about the Trinity in the last few decades, right across the Christian world. And again, alongside that, there's been this interest as well in something called Missio Dei. That's a little bit of Latin for you. I never did Latin at school, by the way, but uh, it's, uh, it's one, or two, one or two things I know. But Missio Dei. It means God's mission, or the sending of God. Missio is Latin for sent, and it means you're being sent from someone for something. And there's this idea that God is on a mission. Yeah. See, the church has often 
thought of mission as something that it does on behalf of God. When actually, it's the other way around. It's that God is on a mission and we join in with that mission. We sometimes think of mission as evangelism, programs, meetings, events, overseas trips, whatever it might be. But actually, it's a lot wider than that. So let's think about it. What is God's mission? Is it maybe a recovery mission, a rescue mission that resulted, started when human beings fell? We know the story in the Bible that human beings were created good and yet they fell short at the very beginning and turned against God. They rebelled against God and sin came in. So did missions start at that point? Is it a recovery, a rescue mission to put that right? Is it a temporary mission? Does the mission complete? You know, you talk about mission creep sometimes and having to set the terms of when you go on a foreign mission, when the, when the government decides to send troops, they often have to try and define beforehand what does completion mean? What does it mean to actually finish? Does God's mission have an end point? Is it when Jesus returns? When the new age begins? Is mission a numbers game? Is it about populating heaven? Boosting the church membership? I'm more interested in populating the new earth, to be honest, than in populating heaven. Although I think we'll be just as at home in both, but that's a sermon for another time. Being a teacher type, I can't resist bringing in lots of things. You know, if I was a preacher, I'd just ignore most stuff, you know, but... But is it those things? And what people have realized in thinking and meditating on this idea of missio dei is that God's mission is an eternal mission. God has always been on mission, and he always will be. It's part of the eternal nature of God. So it's not purely the result of the fall. It's not a temporary situation that will stop when every, everyone that's going to be saved is saved or when Jesus returns. It's not even primarily about saving souls, although it is about that. It's about revealing God. It's about revealing who God is. Uh, scripture 1 John 5 verse 9, I've not got that one on the screen. It says, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God which he has given about his son. So God is a testifying God. He's a witnessing God. He's a God who wants to talk about his son. And the son wants to talk about the father. And the Holy Spirit wants to talk about and glorify the father and the son. He's a relational God. He's a community who's constantly testifying about himself and revealing himself. I'll speak about, speak about that in a moment. Um, no, I'll speak about it now. Why not? <laughs> who knows who that is? 
It's Larry. Larry is the number 10 cat. He is the cat that lives in the Prime Minister's residence. Even throughout the change of Prime Minister, he was allowed to stay, as he is a civil servant, not a politician, so he's allowed to carry on with his job. Who knows who this is? It's Palmerston, very good. Palmerston is the chief mouser to the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. Um, he looks exceedingly like my cat, actually. <laughs> <He looks Wow. laughs> In fact, Samantha at one point was thinking, are you following me, Mowgli, down the train line to London every day? You know. um, who knows what the relationship is like between Larry and Palmerston? A little tense. Larry and Palmerston have been fighting, injuring one another even. <laughs> Look at the face on that, eh? <laughs> so it's an ongoing saga. If you've not, you not read about it, I mean, you might just think, what on earth are they on about? There's a full page spread in the Telegraph online of detailing dates and events on, in the lives of the Whitehall cats. There's actually another one now called Gladstone. Just this Friday, it was revealed that Gladstone has moved into the treasury. <laughs> There's a third one now, so it, I tell you what, it's going to be even more tense. Does anybody know what Palmerston did the other day, which he perhaps ought not to have done, besides challenging Larry for territory and things like that? <laughs> he did. This is what happened. <laughs> This is Palmerston being ejected from number 10 by a police officer. Basically, he was hanging around outside. This is, bear in mind, this is Larry's territory. The, the step outside number 10 is a real battleground at the moment for who's going to have the say. Palmerston was hanging around outside and decided that as, when the door opened, he snuck in round the door, as cats do, but was tackled by police officers inside and ejected unceremoniously. And then, there he is, <laughs> engaged in a standoff or a, a sit-off. That police officer's armed. Um, Palmerston sat on the step looking furious, according to onlookers. And of course, being a foreign office cat, he, he actually has a Twitter feed uh, on Palmerston's Twitter feed, the tweet appeared, I just wanted to find out what was behind the door. <laughs> now, <laughs> whether he did it himself or he got one of his staff to do it, I suspect probably the latter, but he wanted to find out what was behind the door. But he wasn't welcome. He didn't get to find out much about what was behind the door. And... Uh, I love this story, mainly because I love the story, and it's about cats, and uh, I don't often go very many times of speaking without mentioning cats or showing pictures of cats or whatever. But uh, it's also because we can get the impression that God is like the occupants of number 10, that we're not really welcome, we're not really going to get to find out what God is like. We're going to get ejected if we try and get too close. But God's door is open. The veil was torn in two through, the G through Jesus, through the cross. And God's door is open. And he welcomes us. He's not going to kick us out 
because he's a revealing God. He wants us to know what's on the other side of the door. He wants us to keep discovering more about him. There's more than just what's the immediate other side of the door. There's loads more to discover about God. And he wants to share it with us. He reveals himself. There's a great chapter. I'm not going to re read it now for the sake of time. But John chapter 17. I'd encourage you to read it um, maybe in life groups, maybe next week in the smaller settings. This is um, Leonardo da Vinci's famous picture of the Last Supper. Um, really famous because up until that point, nobody had seen perspective in a painting before. Everything was painted kind of flat. But can you see, I don't know if you can see it very well, but the, the way the room is with the angles of the roof and the ceiling, it's perspective. Nobody had seen that before. That was the genius of da Vinci. Anyway, that was just a free one. Um, but John chapter 17, it's in the upper room. The disciples are together, and there's so much. Jesus is talking. And there's so much in there about the Father and the Son glorifying one another, even before the world began. About the Spirit revealing and glorifying the Father and the Son. About how it's always been that way from eternity. A mutual self-revealing. And about how through Jesus, the Father is revealed to the world. And you can just trace through all this, this heart of God to reveal who he is and to share his glory. It actually says he's given us the glory that the Father gave Jesus. That's amazing. He's given us the same glory. We think, oh, no, 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 glory to God, not glory to me. But God shares his glory. He wants to share his amazingness. Because that's what glory just means. It means just amazingness. It's just amazing when you see God. And God wants the world to look at us and think, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing how those people live together. That's amazing how those people forgive. It's amazing how those people have joy in the face of hardship. It's amazing who these people are. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation in unity together. So I'd encourage you to read John chapter 17, maybe later on. But that's what mission is. Mission is about revealing who God is. Another couple of quick-fire scriptures. Again, from the book of John. We've done a lot on John recently. We had a series on the Gospel of John, and it's not gone away. This, you know, it feels like John, this is the time for John at the moment. John chapter 12, verse 49 Jesus said, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And then John 5, 36, he says again, I have testimony weightier than that of John. That's John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. So he testifies through his words and through his works. Works there actually means the miracles. He's talking about the miraculous things that God did through Jesus, the healings and so on. And so he was sent to teach and he was sent to do. And the miracles backed up his words. 
and they explained his words. They explained the heart of God. Where people didn't understand the words, when they saw that God healed, they thought, oh, that's what God is like. I thought God was a punishing God who kind of doled out sickness and, and illness and, and in poverty and bad stuff when he didn't like somebody. And Jesus came along and restored and healed and lifted people up. And through his words and through his actions, he displayed the Father heart of God to this world. And as I said at the beginning, John 20, as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus sends us to do the same things by the Spirit. I'm pleased actually when he said that. He said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And we often close the quote at that point. But it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad he said that because we can't do this without the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God in us and on us. But if we receive the Spirit, if we receive his presence, if we're aware of his presence, we can do the works Jesus did. Jesus said, anyone who has faith in me will do greater things than these, which is quite a thought. But we do it by the Spirit. So our mission is God's mission. is to reveal who God is throughout the whole of creation. And it's just a continuation of God's eternal, self-explaining, relational nature. So can you see how big and wide mission is and how it involves all of us? It's not a job that's imposed on us from the outside. It's not like, you know, I used to feel when people talked about evangelism, in my mind, I, I was thinking, or oh, mission, I was thinking of having to knock on doors or stand on the streets, or, and it felt like an ill-fitting piece of clothing that somebody had um, put on me. Is this battery okay, Chris? Okay, carry on. <clears throat> but it felt like it, it felt uncomfortable. It didn't kind of fit. But if we realize that mission is who we are, because we are the explanation of God, and through our words and our actions, we explain him, then suddenly we're on mission all the time. It's our DNA. Just a, a quick word about Spirit Cafe. Please, Maria's back, actually. <laughs> but, um, this is something that we do. This is one of the many things, one of the many projects and, and activities that people in our congregation are involved with. But the heart behind Spirit Cafe, the ethos behind Spirit Cafe is to explain God, is to show the heart of God. So we want people that come to come into an atmosphere of welcome, of love, of peace, of hope, because people come through the door and they're broken, they're hurting, they're confused, and they need to know that God is the answer, that God has the answers. And so we do it through our words. They get a welcome with a cup of tea and maybe a nice biscuit or whatever, but they, they, and people talk to them and sit down with them. And then, because they've come to hear this, they've come for one of these things. They don't get too hung up, by the way, on the wording where it says 
spiritual readings, that's just using their language to mean hearing what the Holy Spirit wants to say to them in the form of words of knowledge, prophecy, words of wisdom, pictures, um, encouragements, whatever it might be. It's speaking the Word of God. And people hear, and dramatic things happen. Just three weeks ago, um, a lady came into Spirit Cafe who clearly had mobility issues, she had health issues, but there was a sense of something more as well about her. There were, there were spiritual problems there, but, but she was welcomed, she came in, and she went and sat, I think she sat with both teams in the end, but I remember her sitting down with one of the, the teams, the, the prophetic teams that, that actually do this stuff, they offer the, the treatments, as we sometimes call them. And she was sitting in a chair, and after a while I noticed that she was kind of leaning right back, and she was almost horizontal in the chair with, you know, I think she, did she have her arms up? I mean, she was just shaking. And you could see that the, the power of God was working on her. And then I was, as were several others, we were sort of in the background just praying, and, um, and suddenly she just felt free. And I think Maureen, you said, you saw something go, you felt something go. And she just, she couldn't get over it. She was going, it's gone, I'm, I'm, I'm healed, I'm better, I'm free, you know, and I can't remember her exact words, but she was overwhelmed with, man, I don't know what just happened, but that was good, and I, you know, it's like, this has changed me, and she got up off the chair, and we, we tried to sort of get her back to a, one of the settees over there, and I had to kind of steady her, because she was kind of drunk, she was, she was going, I, I feel drunk, <laughs> and it was the power of God, you know, the Holy Spirit was so powerful on her, but see, she came and she heard words that valued her. She heard words that placed a value on her in God's sight and that were seeing beyond the immediate, seeing into her potential. And she heard words that would free her, but then she experienced something of God's love, the power of his Holy Spirit. And so that's our ethos to, to explain by words but also to demonstrate by seeing God's power move. And we can all do that, maybe not all involved with Spirit Cafe, but who's to say that you couldn't offer to pray for somebody if they're sick? Especially if you pluck up the courage and say, I'm a Christian, I, I believe God can heal, would you let me pray for you? Because it's the marrying of the word with the action that, that, that often causes results to happen so so it's an explaining mission it's who we are like Jesus we're witnesses who testify about how amazing God is and it continues into eternity we're never going to stop exploring and explaining there's a lot more behind the door of number 10 than the front door. You know, we, we can get in there and we can go exploring for eternity. We're going to be glorifying God. We're going to be enjoying how amazing he is. We're going to be um, seeing his wisdom outworked throughout the universe in ways that we can't fathom right now. But the mission continues. It's a mission to explore how amazing God is. If you're in Christ, 
you're part of that mission. If you're not yet in Christ, or if you've got friends who are not yet in Christ, they're created for that mission. You are created for that same mission. They just don't know it yet. So we're the embodiment of God's self-revealing nature, sent to describe God through our lives. Now, over the last few weeks, uh, Rue, if you remember at the beginning of the year, Rue came up with eight S's. Now, you're going to challenge me to remember the first four now. I can remember the four that are up there. But there were things like keeping step with the Spirit, um, sila, pause, and reflect. Chris Xavier covered those a couple of weeks ago. Um, Andy and Sarah, what did they talk about? Can anybody help me out here? This is about self-leading, that's right, and self-disclosure. Was that the other one? So. I'm just going to very quickly now cover off the last four of the eight, so I'm kind of doing half in one go. But it fits in quite nicely with what I've been talking about this morning, about the mission of God. And the first one is speak out. It's kind of obvious, really, isn't it? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So what's inside us comes out. And if we allow the new nature that we have, the nature of God to fill us, It'll come out in our words. And you can bring change to your sphere of influence because words have creative power. Words of kindness, words that upbuild, build somebody else up, can have a transforming influence on somebody's life. We can also speak words of authority into spiritual situations. Into, in prayer, words have power. We can demonstrate the kingdom of God through speaking and then seeing things happen. I, I, as many of you know, I'm, I'm in business as well as other things, but um, I'm in a technology uh, setting. And I recently read a book by a guy called Gunnar Olsen. Anybody heard of Gunnar Olsen? He's a, a Swedish guy businessman, founded something called the International Christian Chamber of Commerce, which sounds a bit dull, but actually he is a, a man that flows in miracle and in provision and in the Word of God. And he, he set about to set up a business that was fully devoted to God, so it would be used for blessing. And he's advised governments, he's advised presidents, he's been called to different parts of the globe to give advice on business, on economics, and at the same time, he preaches the word, and he sees things happen. Well, he had um, <clears throat> a really difficult situation with his company. His company makes plastic bags, pretty boring sounding, the big bags that go around silage. You know, like in, you go out in the field, in the, in the car, and you see these enormous cylinders covered in plastic. <clears throat> they make those. And one time, a number of years ago, they, it's seasonal. They make millions of these things ready for the season when they're needed. And so they were making these things, churning them out, and they had 
loads of them on massive pallets full of hundreds of thousands of these plastic bags. <clears throat> and his technical manager came to him with a problem and said, we're doomed, basically. All of the, something's gone wrong with the process. And the plastic has, the molecules in the plastic have migrated, he said, and the, the two halves of the bag are stuck together. They're fused. And he said, we've been looking at it a week, for a week now, we've had the best scientific minds in, in plastics in Europe come in and look at it, and they're all saying, there's nothing we can do. And every single bag was sealed up. And he said, look, we're, we're ruined. What are we gonna do? And Gunnar Olsen was quite glad that he'd only heard about it just then because it, he hadn't heard about it for the whole week. They'd kept it from him. And he just thought, no, I'm not accepting this. And so he, he called his immediate family together and prayed. And then they went into the factory, onto the, the warehouse where all these pallets of bags were. And they went round, and for about two hours, they went round and laid hands on all the pallets and said, God, you didn't call us to run this business for your kingdom, for blessing, just to ruin us. And, we, and they prayed, and he, he commanded the molecules in the plastic bags to migrate back where they came from. And then, I think then they went home. On the Monday morning, there was a huge commotion because whenever they opened any of these packs, every single bag opened. There wasn't one that was stuck together because God had supernaturally remigrated these molecules back to where they came from. But it was him honoring the word of Gunnar Olsen. He stepped out and he spoke a creative word under the the uh, influence of the Holy Spirit. And the miracle followed the word and proved that God is a God of blessing. God is a God who honors his servants. So that gives me hope in the world of business. It's not just in meetings like this that God does things. It's, to be honest, it's more out there. It's more out there. He wants to reveal his glory, and we can speak it out. So the next one was seek out. God's mission is to testify about himself, to open up, to reveal himself. And we have his DNA, so it's in our nature to want to open up to somebody. It can be hard. But let's think about who are we meant to seek out? Who are we meant to be accountable to or to be learning from or discipling, training? Who is it that we're in impacting? Who's God calling us to go deeper with? Because we all need that. Who's in our circle of friends, either inside or outside the church, that we can draw in? Some of the other great things that we're doing as a congregation, things like messy church, playtime. These are areas where we draw people in to relationship and we seek to go deeper with people. We have to be wise but proactive at the same time. Seek out. So if God's putting his finger on that for you, then just think, okay, God, who do you want me to seek out? Who do you want me to pluck up the courage to say, look, I want to spend time with you. 
Next one, bit of an interesting one, selfie. <clears throat> These are Ruse words, not mine, so. <laughs> but this is kind of related to sila, which was the pause and reflect. By selfie, what he meant was, just sometimes, just stop. Every now and again, stop and look where you're at right now. What is your God-given dream? No, I, I think to myself, am I living in such a way that I'm getting closer to that dream rather than further away? And it's about living intentionally. Do we need to change anything to live in line with what God's shown us? I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but sometimes I do like to just take stock and think, okay, am I using my time right? Am I using my money right? What's God been showing me? What's God been revealing to me? What should I be moving towards. It's not that we get it right first time all the time, but just take a selfie. Check out your direction in life. Is there anything that needs adjusting? And the last one very much in line with, with mission is sent. And the question there is who to? Who are you specifically sent to right now? Maybe you could think of names and faces not out of pressure, but out of a sense of God's doing something there. Who responds when you speak to them? Who needs something that you've got? Should I be seeking someone out for more relationship? Does God want me to show who he is in, in a practical way, either natural or even supernatural? So why don't we just take a selfie right now? Just where we're sitting. Maybe close your eyes. Just think, okay, God. What are you saying to me from all that we've heard today? Show us, Lord, where you're wanting us to adjust in your kindness. Not out of sternness, but out of love do you need courage to speak out proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating it speaking up for for others where there's injustice do you need to seek out relationship with fellow believers to be accountable so that somebody knows a bit more about you for discipleship, for learning. Who are you sent to? Who's God highlighting? Thank you, Father. Just make a, a note, or maybe a literal note or a mental note of what God is, is just dropping in your heart. But it's not going to come with guilt. It's not going to come with pressure. It might be scary, but it will come with a sense of faith 
that God is behind this, God is with you. I'll just finish with this statement just to round everything off. Mission is in God's eternal nature. And it's therefore in your nature too. You become mission as your life, words, and actions reveal and explain God to others. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Where's Andy gone? Shall we have Andy back? Why not? I've left you with a a challenge. That often these things come into perspective when we worship God because something that can seem huge gets back into its proper size when we see him for who he is. When you testify, you're really in danger of blowing your own trumpet. So please accept this very much as, a, as an example of, of where when we do what we feel God wants us to do and it, and it, uh, and it goes really well, but at the time we think, oh, well, that was a, a total bomber or it didn't work well, whatever. Um, please treat it as an example of that, not as a kind of me polishing my halo, because Paul will tell you that, <laughs> yes, I don't have a halo, couldn't possibly come. But... I'm just thinking when Paul said this about speaking out and seeking out about creative words and relationship, how there's a lot of risk associated with that, as we as we can probably imagine. And I'm getting nice kind of yeses from Rob, which is always very encouraging. And um, I was at Elizabeth's graduation, and one of Elizabeth's best friends, um, her mum died. Her, her, she her, she um, she's Elizabeth's age, exactly Elizabeth's stage. She was out in Japan. Um, and her mum almost literally just keeled over and died. She was suddenly rushed into hospital with a brain tumour. It took about six hours, so you couldn't get back from Japan, obviously. And, and so she's, she's come back to the UK, and she's, it's just very difficult. And I, and I saw her at graduation, and it would have been the easiest thing just to, just to kind of be all friendly, because this is graduation, and we're all happy and smiley, aren't we? And we don't want to kind of be awkward about anything, do we? I thought, I've got to, I felt so pressed by God, I had to say something to her. I had to just mark the moment and not just pretend that this enormous thing hadn't happened because we were all meant to be happy, weren't we? So I I went over to her and I I said, I just, you know, you fumble sometimes. And I said something like, "Um, um, Tasha, I'm just so sorry. And I can't remember what, I really can't remember a single thing I said. But it was wooden. My, the response was totally wooden. I thought, oh, that poor girl. I've just completely kind of, you know, she's just trying to have a nice time and I've reminded her and, oh, I just felt terrible about it. But anyway, we, we, I, I had felt it was the right thing to do. Th- three days later, I kept, Elizabeth kept trying to get, Elizabeth kept trying to send me something. It was this, uh, a text that just would not come through. So she said, I'll put it in an email. And this is what, this is what, um, what the email said. Lots of, this is Tasha writing to Elizabeth, the girl writing to Elizabeth, 
And so you got all the preamble about, ooh, you were amazing yesterday, which is great, it's lovely. Anyway, then this is, I could not believe this, and I read it, my tears were in my eyes. She said, please also say a big thank you to your mum. She came over and said she was really sorry to hear about my mum. And something in the way she said it was very sincere and just made me feel seen and loved when often I can feel a bit overwhelmed in situations like that. It really moved me. And while I didn't feel like I could express emotion then and there, and that's what I'd picked up, it unlocked something. And I had a little cry with my dad when I got home. I want to cry again now. Anyway, there's very little time to actually process and grieve and whatever it was your lovely mum carried seemed to give me space and permission to do that. So please tell her thank you. So you now know why I'm saying this is not me blowing my trumpet, but I just, I just know that what holds me back is fearing that I'm going to put my foot in it and I'm going to trample on people's emotions and in my very best of intentions, I'm just going to end up... Um, blundering around and people thinking, why doesn't she shut up? Why can't she just leave me alone? And, um, and, and it can stop us doing so many things. So I think it's just an encouragement that, that we, the words we speak out, if we do them sincerely from, a, from an, a, an, an intentional, I want to bless you. And if we do something that's kind of in keeping with relationship rather than just living on the superficial, ooh, isn't it a lovely day and isn't it nice weather for this graduation and didn't Elizabeth look nice? Yes. We, it, all these things, and, and I suppose I was sent too. I do believe I was sent to that girl on that graduation day. Everyone else would possibly just feel like, won't go there, it's too dangerous. So, you know, we can think about massive faith things like saving 10 million pounds worth of plastic bag stock. Yes, yes, I want to do that. But actually, it's the decision you make on a daily basis to just speak out the words, to do things that are relational rather than superficial, to be very intentional, um, and to be constantly seeking other people's good. And if your initial reaction is bad, then it may be because you've actually hit so deeply that people just thinking, uh, if I say anything, I'll burst into tears. But just, just trust God, because if your heart was right and you're being obedient, then, then, then God will make all things work together for good. So let's stand, let's worship him, let's enjoy the fact that we have this revealing God who wants to show himself to us reveal himself to us, and then reveal himself through us. So let's just worship just a bit more, and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Lord, I thank you for our time this morning. Lord, I thank you that you reveal yourself to us. And Lord, I thank you that you're not confined to Sunday mornings to reveal yourself. So Lord, I ask that as we go off into the week, um, and we live our lives every day. Father, reveal yourself. First of all, re continue to reveal yourself to us. But Lord, have your way in our lives. Reveal yourself through us yeah. this week. Amen. Amen. Amen.